0: Welcome to uh, this episode of Neighboring. Today, we're actually in a neighborhood here in Fort Wayne and we are gonna go on a little bit of a neighborhood walk. And today's episode, we have Kristen Giant, a friend and a neighbor. Uh, And we're gonna talk about vulnerabilities. Uh, When you move into a neighborhood, you have to step out of your comfort zone and get to know your neighbors a little bit. Uh, And if you don't, you set yourself up for even more awkward conversations down the road. Uh, So we're going to have that kind of conversation. We're going to walk around the neighborhood a little bit and talk to Kristen and get to know about her and her family's journey into the neighborhood, uh, what pulled them in, how it's been going in terms of connecting with neighbors, and then we're going to dive into also what does it look like to be vulnerable and a sense of uh, neighboring in maybe a bigger context. So welcome to this episode.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew. I'm really excited. Yeah, so this is one of the kind of downtown neighborhoods in Fort Wayne. We're within walking distance to Lakeside Park just over North Anthony. We're right sort of on the North Anthony corridor so just up is Firefly Coffee Shop, my favorite place in Fort Wayne, Old Crown, um, Acme, bars just right down the street on state so we're really kind of uh, central to a lot of commercial nodes that are still built into neighborhoods.
0: Alright so a lot of younger families, a lot of younger kids here, we obviously are in the middle of a kickball game, and tell us, how did you guys find this particular neighborhood, and what's it been like as you and your yes. husband have been trying to meet your neighbors?
1: Well, when we first moved to Fort Wayne about three years ago, he <laughs> just got hit by a kickball. Uh, we, I had one one goal, and it, this is kind of gonna sound weirder than it is, but I wanted to live in a neighborhood that wasn't Southwood Park because that's where my husband grew up. And I wanted to feel like I really got to make my own place somewhere. So when we first moved to town, we moved up um, by Jefferson Point and we had a lot of land and kind of a singular place, which we'd come from a big city. So we thought that's what we wanted. Like, that's why you moved to Fort Wayne is so you can spread out and have space. And then once we were there, we felt really isolated. So we found out we were expecting our second son and I got on Zillow right away because we kind of had a smaller house. And this house was on Zillow. And this is probably my favorite block in the city. It has been since I moved here. And it had been on the market for almost two years. So somehow we had missed it up until this moment. And we made an offer and our offer was accepted on Christmas Eve. And we moved here. Only one family had lived in this house before us. Oh wow. And they'd been here since it was built in 1929. And I mean, speaking of neighbors, everybody loved the O'Dowd family. Everyone has stories. I mean, we we're filling really big shoes in this house, honestly. If we brought like a demolition crew, people would probably pick it in front of the house, which is which is cool. It has this sense of history and like a neighbor across the street. uh, I went to her garage sale, and she was like, "Don't pick the like, don't get rid of the mint in the backyard. It's like 50-year-old mint. You have to keep it. You have to make mint juleps with it for the Kentucky Derby." And I'm like, "Yes, ma'am. Fine, I will." (laughs) But yeah, we've we've really settled in and. We love it we love it's really walkable um yeah we just we couldn't be happier
0: so what's it been like uh getting to know your neighbors are you and your husband joe wants to like right away you go out and you knock on doors and you get to know each other what has that process been
1: we participated in a neighborhood event okay so we were a part of the north anthony uh, corridor wine tasting
0: all right
1: so we i cooked I was like two weeks postpartum from my second, and I cooked like 500 German appetizers to be paired with German wine. And we got to meet like 50 of our neighbors at someone's house, which was really cool.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, Events always are a good way of like, hey, you wanna get to know your neighbors, show up and help out or take some responsibility. Yeah. uh, You earn a lot of favor and trust. One of the things, uh, a theory that I've been working out in my time at NeighborLink, In my own ways, like if you don't get to meet your neighbors within like the first six weeks of being in your new place, especially depending on the seasons, then the the discomfort level goes even higher because there's this awkwardness of like, yeah, we passed each other, maybe we even said hello or introduced ourselves but we forgot each other's name. And then if you don't do get interacted within the first like six weeks, you that awkwardness is much harder to get over.
1: I think in the Midwest, I would just put one caveat on that, which is the winter, right? Like no one, this isn't happening in the winter, street ball isn't happening. People aren't walking their dogs as much. So we moved in in February and we met our immediate neighbors pretty quickly. Um, And then it was like when the snow melted, we met everyone and it ended up being probably about three months after we moved in. But it was like once people started making the rounds, they would literally say, like, I wanted to come introduce myself to you when you first moved in, but we weren't going to knock on your door. It was cold. Um, So I think that, you know, maybe somewhere in a warmer climate, like you have that hard deadline. But here it's when people come out of hibernation (laughs) sometimes.
0: Uh, And we can talk about social connectivity and social cohesion and all that kind of stuff. And while that's all true, what is that kind of thing meant to just you or Joe in terms of like a very personal realm because then because that's the ultimately why all of that conversation matters is because yeah. we get some sort of uh, fulfillment or relational positivity out of it.
1: I think the best explanation that I have for what it means one of the first weeks we were here um, I was trying to get inside and I had miles and I was pregnant I was sick all the time really low energy and I had a bunch of groceries and I put miles in the backyard it was February so we we're like March so it was super cold and I just couldn't do it all yeah and so uh, he's out there and I open the back door which is kind of tricky get inside unload the groceries remember that my kid's outside <laughs> go outside get him and my neighbor just hollers over the fence she's like hey I want you to know I had eyes on him and it was said like, totally judgment free. It wasn't like, I have eyes on him. It was like, I've got you. Yeah. And in this season of life, I mean, you and I've talked about this off, offline, but this season of life is tough. We have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. There's never enough hands. There's never enough grown-ups. And knowing that people have my kids back the same way I have their kids back. Like I told you with, when, you know when they're all doing their bike gang stuff, it's like, if I see a car coming, I'm going to be like, car, like, hey guys, Look what you're doing um, but just knowing that we're not alone is just a great psychological safety net
0: Kristen we've talked a lot about like just the what it takes to get connected to your neighborhood and really have a self-awareness for for your neighborhood and uh, depending on your personality kind of depends on the level of vulnerability that you have but just how important it is to get connected to your neighbors not just because it makes sense in a big picture but because as you mentioned and illustrated through your story because it it's, I need that yeah. um, as a neighbor um, because being in relationship is important and what better way to, to do that than be in relationship with people that live in close proximity uh, but beyond that you have recently um, kind of done the same thing with a friend in a different context, but neighboring all the same. would be curious whether you would share, share the, a little bit about that story and what you've been up to lately.
1: Yeah, I would love to.
0: In terms of, yeah, how did you engage in this <laughs> role setting yourself up, but uh, you responding to an opportunity to be, to be a neighbor.
1: Yeah, I think I think a lot about being a global neighbor, like a long distance neighbor. So um, I'm from Columbia, South Carolina, which is real far from here. I went to college in Charleston, South Carolina. I went to graduate school in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And now I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So people that I love, like deeply, are scattered around the world. And that's not even to mention the people that expatriated from all of those places to different places. So how do you show up in those really kind of aggressively loving ways that you have no problem showing up for people that live near you? So, for example, when a friend has a baby in Fort Wayne, take them soup and some cute baby clothes. How do you give that same gift to a friend who's pregnant in Minneapolis? And uh, some really close friends of mine that I grew up with that were, you know, my neighborhood growing up was the theater. I grew up on stage. I, my mom ran a theater. We we never knew our neighbors really. We we moved houses a lot, but we had this. Network and neighborhood of people that all did shows all throughout the year and hung out at this place. And one of those families, the Sprinkles, this is what I, you know, this is neighboring, right? Is if I need someone to hold my baby, yeah, where do I go? Yeah. Interestingly enough, my answer to that question is Firefly Coffee House. That's my emergency plan. Even though we have family here, I'm like, if I had to drop my kid off somewhere, I would just take him to Paul at Firefly. He doesn't know that. Uh, but who can you give your kid to to watch last minute for an hour and that's one of the things we did with Jacob so a uh, young man he's uh, just finished college and he needs a liver transplant now when i was probably 14 his parents were rehearsing for plays and they would hand me this cute chubby redheaded baby and i would watch him and it was a joy for me i mean oh my gosh i loved these kids him and his sister and they got to live Out their life and their hobby because we were there and it was a network where everyone benefited and they were like second parents to me Jacob's parents so uh, Lauren reaches out to me Jacob's mom and says hey do you mind sharing this GoFundMe again and uh, we just were chatting on Facebook Messenger and I could feel the weight on her um, the sheer just emotional weight of having to ask for help again and again and again and it is it's exhausting and it's really uh acute for me right now in this stage of motherhood where if i didn't have my in-laws and my neighbors and my friends and my husband and the graduate student that was living with us this summer I, i don't know like i literally don't know um what ball would have dropped so she reaches out and says can you share this on facebook and i'm yes of course I, I couldn't sleep because I was like, man, that's not enough. Like, that's not enough. I, I can send it and it will go scream into the void, just like everything she's posting. What can I do? And I was praying about it and just racking my brain. And all I kept thinking was, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable for have to have to do this. And at this point, she's $15,000 away from a massive goal of $35,000. And I'm like, she's gonna be doing this, being uncomfortable for the next 10 years. Like, there's no end in sight. And I stayed up and was just laying in bed, tossing and turning. And it hit me like, what if I showed up and said, people donate to this cause and I'll do something uncomfortable. Just sort of mirroring the vulnerability that Families that are going through tough seasons have every day. Whether it's telling your boss you have to leave for another doctor's appointment, or you know, telling your um, kid's school that you're not going to make an event. Like these people are vulnerable every day of their lives. So I just put a challenge out on Facebook and Instagram and said, Hey, if you make a donation, I'll do something that makes me uncomfortable. The trick is, very little makes me uncomfortable. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but I'm I'm not completely kidding, but this idea of let's, what do I have to lose in this moment by um, throwing a loving request out to people that love me, yeah. right, knowing that no one was gonna tell me to like do something that would be harmful to me. Um, so that's what I did and um, I got a really great response from it.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, when I saw, saw that I was um, immediately taken back, by just the nature of your investment and not just thinking like yeah I could give a hundred bucks or 200 bucks or yeah, I could even stretch my own personal goal because I'm connected relationally and I could give tangibly and and from the heart but to think critically about the not only what else could I do that may get us closer to the goal but also how do I own this how do I enter how do I enter in with uh, and that's a that's a big it's a big step to have the self-awareness to to go that way, um, because that's the hard part. That's the vulnerability part, and also saying I'm willing to being uncomfortable, maybe just as much, maybe just as important as the money raised.
1: Well, and I, from the conversations I've had with the family, so just for example, the first night I had to post a video of myself singing along to Lizzo's Truth Hurts which is the greatest song of all time but uh, I I think that watching me be an idiot on the internet meant as much to them as the $50 donation that came in because it's just a virtual equivalent of like taking you to coffee and making you laugh right which is something that I wish I could do I mean Lauren and I are texting back and forth and it's like I just want to hug you I just want to hug you too this is my version of of a hug. Um, but what you know, we've, I have a really great life, a really, really easy, great life for the most part. Um, but when things have been rough, it's like you said, it's people that say, I'll do it with you. not I'll do it for you. Um, that really ease the burden or that say me too, like that happened to me too. This is my story. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it's a self-awareness so much as like, okay, that virtual neighbor question of like, how do I drive the point home that I'm here for you? Like, I'm, I'm here for this. This is not one-off. I'm going to stick with it until I'm going to annoy my friends for you. <laughs> what I found is that people were probably less annoyed by this genuine approach to engagement than they are by my carefully staged matcha latte, yeah. right? Yeah. And I was afraid that over posting and being vulnerable would annoy people, but it seems like maybe people actually kind of crave that sort of reality.
0: Yeah, we see that a lot at NeighborLink. So we've been, uh, NeighborLink in the, in the essence is crowdsourced connectivity. Yeah. Um, or built around needs. And a lot of that over the last couple of years, anytime it comes to fundraising, we're turning to the crowd. Um, to the community, online community, to respond to that. And uh, both in ways that people donate and give are looking for something meaningful. And they're looking to be able to connect their giving um, towards an actual tangible thing. But also what's really incredible is the number of people that choose to do what you've done in terms of owning a particular project, thinking critically, trying to rack their brain in terms of like, how do I own this? How do I get into this? How do I leverage who I am, what I have, and offer that and put that on the table and see whether people other people will respond and people want to be a part of that. So uh, what are some of the things that you've had to been challenged to? Because you've raised like $2,000 so far, really close to Yeah, it, right? almost so 2000 Lots of challenges in that.
1: So it's been varied. Um, somebody asked me to post the most recent selfie on my camera roll. Uh, do a song and dance to Hakuna Matata from The Lion King. Uh, my profile is still public. I would encourage you to check that one out because it's uncomfortable. Uh, sing... Go deliver cookies to a fire station. That was awesome. Be on a podcast. That was great. Yeah, we chipped in on that one. (laughs) Um, Oh, uh, have a phone-free night with my kids. That one was really great because it was like, right, I am horrified of doing that. Like that low level anxiety when you don't know where your phone is, even when you're engaged with your super awesome kids. Uh, Take a night to just practice self-care for myself. That was another one where I was like, man, that's super uncomfortable. I haven't done that one yet, actually. And one that was really cool, uh, actually the biggest donor, anonymous donor, gave $500 and challenged me to check myself, basically. Not with judgment, but just like, hey, I don't want recognition for this. God doesn't want us to seek recognition for what we do. So just my challenge is to like check in and make sure that you keep this about the right goal. And I was like, dang, that's really uncomfortable. And it probably was uncomfortable for him to, to say that. But it's that sort of, uh, yeah. And, then, and the biggest thing is most people don't want to give me something uncomfortable to do. Oh, run a mile in under 10 minutes, which I'd never done before. Gosh. I did. I ran it in seven minutes, which was just brought all sorts of other kind of unrelated thoughts of like, what it means to be accountable to someone else like i can't push myself to a seven minute mile but i'm doing it for lauren and jacob and my friend who is a stranger to these people who donated fifty dollars suddenly i can run a seven minute mile it's like i'll probably never do it again but yeah
0: so one of the one of the things we talk about often is this idea at neighborlink we really reflect or just the more that we get involved i often think it's far more about my
1: my son so miles <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> no
0: well one of the one of the things that I think I, if I've learned anything in the last decade as serving or volunteering it's been far more about my own transformation than it has been about the things that I've helped or transformed um, because ultimately that's all I'm in control of you want to come be on a podcast I
1: remember oh.
0: Mr. Andrew right I'm honest. How are you today? you go swimming? Are you ready to be on this podcast? Are you going to talk to us or you just want to sit here? Probably just sit here. That's cool.
1: Yeah, the idea of, I mean, even just your model is a personal transformation model.
0: But I think, uh, so what are some of the things that just obviously it's been real brief, but some of the, the nuggets that have really stood out to you in terms of like, uh, being, being uncomfortable is such a short-term, temporary thing that once we kind of just press up and say I'm uncomfortable but, like, move in, we learn so much
1: Yeah. from that. But I think the biggest transformation that's happened, and this is going to sound just absurd, but is my relationship with social media. So I oh, had actually... Uh, whoa, who is that? Is that Mr. The King? Yeah. Whoa. I, that that What's that? That's a microphone. I had. A, can I talk dad? Yeah, say hello. Yeah. Look, I put your toys out there. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, if you you can sit quiet, or you got to go back inside and be with dad. Can you sit quiet? Um, I had actually taken over a month-long break from social media right before Lauren reached out to me, oh. and. I actually got her message because Facebook doesn't deactivate your messenger when you deactivate your account, you have to like do it in the app. So I get this notification I'm like, what's going on? I deleted my Facebook and I see this call for help from her. Um, You have like six McQueen's here, you're gonna be fine. No,
0: I only have two.
1: Okay, you gotta go inside, bud. No, I
0: don't want to.
1: Okay. I'd been off because the dopamine hits that I was craving were coming from really bizarre things, right? So, like productizing yourself, um, you know, trying to sell something. Okay, I'll come in soon. Um, Having the perfectly staged picture, having, you know, having this experience that maybe people are sitting in their homes envying that you're there. Like I went to Alaska, everyone loved those pictures but maybe someone on the receiving end of that was like in their cubicle, wishing they could afford to go to Alaska. And what was so fascinating about it is I was showing up on Instagram and Facebook like I did in the 2010s, right? When everyone was just being themselves. You were posting like a crappy Nashville filtered picture of yourself at, you know, a baseball game with no makeup on and your 11 friends are like, you're at the Tin Caps? Like, I'll be there in an hour. That was what it was when it started and when we fell in love with it. And it's become everyone selling something now and realizing that I'm craving personal engagement. My From like an engagement standpoint, my engagement plummeted. Every one of these posts is getting like 10 likes, six likes. But people are taking a meaningful action to support a family. Yeah, That's the kind of engagement I want. Yeah. I don't want... What would it mean to me if 500 people liked my picture? It would be like a really fast, intense dopamine hit that would leave me feeling hollow. And here my measured engagement, like I probably lost a bunch of followers, I don't know. uh, But the engagement I was getting was about who I am at my core, which is someone who loves the crap out of people. and so it's like man someone asked me are you going to go back and delete everything after this challenge and i was like you know i don't know maybe i'll try just showing up as myself on social media for a couple months see how that goes maybe i'll still realize that i need to get off of it for different reasons but yeah for the most part that you know you think you're showing up how people want you to in 2019 you know having the right kind of content at the right volume posted at the right time but a who are those people i don't know and b like the people that are your network that are your neighbors that are you know going to have your back they don't care how you show up they just want you to show up
0: so what is this uh meant for for your friends has it uh just been a great encouragement to them Obviously, you raised some extra money that's yeah. probably relieved a bit of burden, but they've got a big campaign and big goal to hit.
1: I I um, I can only share you know what they've shared with me, and mainly it's like feeling seen, yeah. feeling heard, uh, feeling like they have the night not the night off, but kind of the night off from one of their many jobs. Maybe they had the weekend off from fundraising this weekend, and when you're in a place 24 hours a day, that can be a really big gift. And, and I think a re-energizing for all that's left for them. um, I hope, but you know, I said, I said something to Lauren. I said, look, I'm going to put myself back on the bench kind of to what my anonymous donor said, like I could keep taking challenges forever. I'm kind of starting to enjoy this. Like, like I told you, I'm doing yeah. this new karaoke app inside. Like, man, I'm going to pretend someone dared me to post this awesome song I just recorded. Um, I, could, I could get wrapped up in the act of doing. So I said, like, I'm putting myself on the bench, but just call me back in when you need me. And, and I, I hope that other people in their immediate circle realize, like, they can step up and engage in a bigger way if they choose to. Um, but mostly, you know. They're just doing the business of living and that's you know that's all that I wish was expected of them all the time.
0: yeah Well I think it's really cool that um, you saw them and saw this as an opportunity and, and were're willing to do that it inspires me to think about like uh, how I see others and the way that I'm willing to engage and what, what am I really willing to offer beyond just um, passing some cash um, which is good and important yeah. and a part of it but what does it look like to? Uh, raise awareness for what people are going and really just be a neighbor in a way that uh, is authentic to me or to you and then um, go from there. So as we uh, wrap up these sessions, uh, what to you, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? What are you learning about that?
1: Being a good neighbor is not inflicting help, but showing up how people need you to show up. Um, and I've been thinking about that concept of inflicting help actually since I saw your fishbowl a while ago, like, I don't, it wouldn't be doing my neighbors any favors to go and mow their lawn without them asking me to do that. In fact, that could be a really loaded gesture, um, but to really sit with people, listen to people, hear them and ask their permission to show up the way that I think that they want me to show up. and you know, that was a big part of this is checking in constantly and saying, like, is this serving you? (laughs) Is this even something you want me to do? Um, And I think about that relative to where I am on this, you know, beautiful street in this great city of we have neighbors of all ages of all abilities and just listening, listening and then asking for permission to step in and be what they might need me to be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Kristen, thanks for being on this episode of Neighboring. Thanks for coming to my house. And sharing your story. Uh, we attempt to share these stories not so much because we feel like we're standing out over and above, but as an illustration of the way other people are being neighbors in an attempt to inspire the rest of us that uh, have a lot of the same thoughts in general, who are sitting on the fence wondering if it will be okay if we get off the fence and move on that idea we have. and. Uh, if you resonate with Kristen's story, you know it's going to be all right. Move, move in the spirit, move in the, the essence of what you're, you're feeling called to and led to, and give it a shot. Uh, the discomfort won't be that bad, and it will actually probably turn out better than you think. So we encourage you in this episode of Neighboring to give it a shot. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Neighboring. We'll be back next week as we continue to learn from our neighbors.